This is the ninth episode of Game Time with Manny, which I am recording on October 31st, which is, as everyone knows, Halloween. Nothing about this episode is scary, though, unless you consider procrastination scary, because uh, it's about Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, I said I would do a podcast a month, and here we are on the last day of the month, and I'm going to record it and put it up shortly after. Um, at first, I'm going to talk about the game in general and just my thoughts and things, but I will quickly get into spoiler territory, which I will let you know about before I start to do it, but I'm going to talk about all of it, everything that happens in that game, um, anything that I can think about and remember, because it was a month ago that I finally finished it, but I'm going to spoil it all, spoilers, that game has some story and it goes some places, but uh, yeah, this is uh, episode 9, uh, it's game time. <laughs> Okay, so this this episode might be a little messy because I was originally going to take notes and I had a bunch of notes, but then I just deleted the whole document and said, you know what, I'm just going to go go in and say the thoughts that came to my mind. So if, if you have not seen it, I wrote a review of Metal Gear Solid Five where I gave it a 5 out of 5 perfect score, but as anyone would guess, the game is definitely not perfect. Um, it's just, it's very good. I would highly recommend it. Just to reiterate, that's what I would mean by 5 out of 5 stars. Not that a game is perfect, but that it is very good and you should play it. And when I say you should play it, like, I mean it. Uh, I could make some grand statements about the game and say that it is maybe the best action game ever made. Uh, which is a grand statement, but like when you think about things about like theoretically how large the game's budget is, I I don't want to throw around some numbers, but you can go find like estimates, and it is scary, man. Hideo Kojima is a genius, uh, but he spends a lot of time and money doing what he does, and I mean that's how you get to theoretically uh, the fifth major entry in a franchise. Uh, Metal Gear Solid is crazy, and my relationship with the franchise has been kind of weird, too. I I never had a PlayStation 1 when they first came out, so I did not play Metal Gear Solid back on the PlayStation 1, and in fact, this is probably shameful to say, but I've never played the original PlayStation 1 release. My first exposure to the franchise was when it got re-released on the GameCube as Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes, which a lot of people think is bullshit because all of the cinematics were redone by an anime director, so everything is a lot more anime. There's, like, bullet time dodging, all all kinds of weird, crazy stuff. Uh, it's a lot more fantastical. And I saw a lot of people say, like, it was too much like anime, but I've got news for those people. Metal Gear Solid might as well be a goddamn anime. I mean, like, all the stuff that happens in 4, like, that story starts off, like, kind of somewhat grounded in reality, and it quickly just flies right off the rails. And, uh, it's just, it's a cool franchise. Like, in Metal Gear Solid 1, you play as Solid Snake, who has become one of the most prolific uh, characters in all of video games. He is, like, the quintessential badass. He wears this, this, his suit is literally called the sneaking suit. 
and it's it's all black and you got to sneak into the facility shadow moses and from there it gets weird there's all there is supernatural stuff there's all kinds of very memorable quotes there's cyborg ninjas with katanas that have like vibrating electric blades it it's out of control um and so yeah, I, I played that on the the first one on the GameCube. I then had a PS2, and I played Metal Gear Solid 2. I played Metal Gear Solid 3. I purchased the. I still have the special edition case of Metal Gear Solid 4, shaped like a lighter. I got that on launch day when it came out for PS3, and I specifically remember skipping school to play it. Uh, not that I really skipped school. My parents let me stay home because they knew how excited I was for it, and I really liked that game, and I think it wrapped up the series nicely, uh, well, as nicely as you can for all the batshit insanity that Kojima is known for. But then there's Metal Gear Solid Five, which... I, I don't even know. So, like, if you think about the timeline of Metal Gear Solid now, if you include Five, it would go... Uh... Ground, it would be, uh, oh my god, I almost started it wrong. It would be Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker for the PSP, then Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes, uh, which is a prequel to Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain, and then obviously after that it would be Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Oh wait, no. Shit. It would be Metal Gear Solid 3 then Peace Walker, then Ground Zeroes, then 5, then 1, then 2, and then 4. It's like a it's like a Fast and the Furious movie timeline, actually, now that I think about it, which is really weird, but uh, in Metal Gear Solid 3, uh, 5, Ground Zeroes, and Peace Walker, you are not playing as the original protagonist, Solid Snake. You are playing as his the person he was cloned from, which, there, there comes the anime, there are clones, uh... Big Boss, which he got by killing his superior, the boss, in uh, Metal Gear Solid 3. And now, if you've never played this series before, you're, everything I say in this is going to be insanity. I, I mean, if I was you, I would stop listening now, but I mean, you could keep going and just listen to the madness that is Metal Gear Solid 5, or if you just want to hear general impressions. But when it gets to the story part, you might want to tap out, because... Not one sentence I say will make sense, probably. Um, so, so yeah, Metal Gear. The fifth game is takes place right where Ground Zeroes left off, which a lot of people liked Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes, which I, I did not play it when it initially came out because I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of a prequel, but I saw a lot of people praising it for being like open world and having so many options and it's like a big stealth sandbox, and th- that is true. Uh, when I played Ground Zeroes, I think I played it the day before Metal Gear Solid Five proper, The Phantom Pain actually came out, but... It was... I didn't really like it, and that's because I'm no good at stealth games, and I didn't really take the time to learn how to play, and the whole thing is you just... you get people onto a chopper. But I could see where it was, like, getting cool, I guess, and then when I played Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain, that all clicked. Uh, the Phantom Pain made it click in a way that I have not had an open-world game click with me in a long time, well, I guess that's not true, because I really liked The Witcher 3 earlier in the year. Um, but Metal Gear is a totally different beast, I guess. Um, 
one one thing I will say is I have had a great deal of open world fatigue, which you can read on the blog and all kinds of stuff. Is that I I'm sick of open world games, and I it, it's just it's open, but a lot of the time it's just you're doing a bunch of stupid bullshit, and there's no reason for it. Where Metal Gear Solid Five is the best example I've seen of like there is a reason for there to be an open world because it interacts with itself in a way that most other games don't and it and again it's one of those things because they had such a high budget that they could do but like you think about it it's it's just generally a third person shooter right right off the bat and most of the previous games in the franchise had a focus on stealth which this one this one also has a focus on stealth but not to the extent that you would think for it being a metal gear solid game and a sneaking mission you can still it it controls like a modern third person shooter which is crazy because most of the other games like playing old metal gear solid games to me feels arcane um every button is like super context sensitive and um has a thousand different uses and it's all just really i I don't know the other the previous metal gear solid games i think controlled really shitty i'm gonna come out and say that um but the phantom pain controls like a goddamn modern video game you use the triggers to aim and shoot um, it's still weird because you use a different button to reload than most uh, first-person shooters have come to do now, but that that's fine. And um, it's just easy. You can crouch with a button. Nothing is super context-sensitive. It's really easy to crouch around and sneak up on guys. It's really easy to aim and pop them if you have to. But then where I think the brilliance of Metal Gear Solid Five comes into play is the stealth doesn't necessarily matter because you can stealth around until you get caught, and then if you have to, you can just pop everyone, just headshot after headshot. So one of the cool things they do is if you still want to continue to be stealthy, uh, you can... The game does what's called reflex mode, where you slow down, and like it's a slow motion, and you have enough time to like really zoom in and headshot a guy uh, before he'll start to call for backup. Or if you really wanted to just start going uh, balls out right there, you could just shoot him with an unsilenced gun and end it at that. But um, what I generally would do was go around tranking everyone. So I would try to stealth it, and then if it went really sideways, I would kill everyone. Um, And that kind of thing is cool to me because I have never liked stealth games. And after playing Metal Gear Solid Five, I think that's because most stealth games are... The stealth is shitty. It's just not good at all. Um, like, the last thing I can think of is that it was a stealth game, or was supposed to be, was uh, Deus Ex uh, on the previous generation of consoles on PS3. I think, yeah, Deus Ex Human Revolution. And I just, like, I don't have fun when I'm stealthing in those games because it's one of those things where, like, you get caught and then you're just so fucked because the enemies are so much stronger than you and there's nowhere for you to run or if you do hide, they're just constantly searching for you and it's just stupid, stupid. And that that kind of gameplay sucks, which games have done that in the past um, where it's just like... Uh, you got there's got to be a fine balance because you have to make it so that you can't just go in guns blazing all the time uh but that there is still a balance between that and actually needing to do stealth so this is one of the ways that the world reacts so like say i 
start popping all the guys in a base because uh, it is an open world and there are bases and people travel between the bases. Uh, say, say I go in and start shooting all the guys. There will be someone that I can't get to quick enough and he will radio a nearby base and say like, yo, there's shots being fired over here. It is, you're going to have to be on high alert. So then theoretically I could roll up on that next base after I kill everyone in the base I'm at and they will be looking for me already. They won't just be standing there like stupid AI. They'll be like patrolling the area. They will be uh, more sensitive to sound and movement that they see. And that kind of thing is really cool. And like to further to further down that hole, how the world all just interacts with each other. I, I know this is kind of this is going to be me just rambling like stream of consciousness the whole time, so I apologize for that. But uh, the game reacts to how you play. So say I go kill everyone in a base, and I'm always doing headshots. The game will then start supplying the soldiers with more helmets that like don't let it that, that you can't headshot through or at least you'd have to shoot it like a bunch of times to make the helmet fall off and then get a headshot and then there are like deployment missions where like you eventually recruit soldiers which is a whole other huge aspect of this game and then you can send them on missions to disrupt the flow of helmets or like if you always uh deploy yourself at nighttime uh, they will be given more night vision goggles and stuff like that, and that kind of stuff is cool, and then they give you another out to, like, hey, you could disrupt this so that it's easier for you again, or, like, it kind of encourages you to try different stuff, which is one of the things, again, that previous Metal Gear Solid games did not do, because they were all about, like, yo, trank everyone, or if you get caught, you're basically boned, and you're probably gonna die, and it's gonna be frustrating for you, um... I I tried everything, like, I never would have gone into any kind of Metal Gear combat scenario before with a shotgun or anything like that, but this game makes it so that, like, you can research all kinds of weapons, like, there's 30 different weapon types at least, that's probably on a super low estimate, there's probably, like, uh, over a hundred, I would say, of both, like, stun weapons, trank weapons, actual real bullet weapons, grenades, cardboard boxes, like night vision goggles, like anything you can think of. You can upgrade a helicopter, you get friends who come with you, like you got a dog, you can equip your fucking dog, you can buy materials for the soldiers that you recruit, like the sniper you have, you can make her different snipers, you can make her different costumes, it's just, it's insane, you can research all this stuff, and it all has a use. Like, I researched rocket launchers, rocket launchers that could shoot, like, five rockets at once and home in, heat-seeking rockets, all kinds of stuff like that, and it all has a use case and is helpful, especially, like, I could do whatever I want. This game is one of those things where, like, a lot a lot of games, you, it seems like you have a lot of options, and they'll try to do it, and it's like, oh, the game's not gonna let me do it. There was not a single time in this game where I was like, oh, I wonder if I can do this, that I was not able to do it. It just, like, it... It's one of the few examples of real emergent gameplay. It's like, oh, I noticed this thing was happening. I wonder if I could do this. Oh, yeah, I can. Now I can string it into this. Like, for example, one of the earlier missions, you you have to stop Jeeps. And uh, I saw that the Jeep was coming. I saw the trajectory it was coming at. And I set C4 in the road, uh, three in a row. But what I did not think about was I had to blow up a jeep and I had to blow up two tanks. I did not think enough that uh, 
the C4 might not fully take out a tank, so it caused an issue. So the, the, it's a tank, then a jeep, then a tank. I knock out all the guards in the area where I'm planting this C4, and I climb up a wooden guard tower, right? So I plant the C4 in the road. I'm like, okay, I got this. Uh, tank drives by. Trigger uh, the C4. It explodes. Uh, nothing happens. It's, it's still going. Uh, so they know something's up in the area and they start to slow down a little bit. The tank hits my second C4 out of the three and then it actually does die. So what happens when the tanks die is they like catch fire and they start to slow down. So what happened there was the tank stopped, caught on fire. The Jeep kept going, hit the back of the tank. The tank blew up, the Jeep blew up, but then there was still another tank. I had a third thing of C4. It kept rolling along somehow and I hit that third thing of C4, and apparently I, just, I learned, as we just learned, that you need two pieces of C4 to blow up a tank. So, at this point, the tank notices I'm there. I get detected. It shoots a fucking tank missile at the guard tower I'm in, and it shatters because it's fucking made of wood. And... I just am frantic, and I'm like, oh my god, what am I going to be able to do? What am I going to be able to do? So I switch to a rocket launcher I luckily had, and as I'm falling in the air, shoot the goddamn tank with the rocket, and just, like, shit like that, stories you could tell are cool, and they happen all the time. Like, I saw people do all kinds of crazy shit. Like, uh, so I might as well get into this now, the soldier recruitment thing that I was talking about. You basically... Every soldier has stats, and you use them on your base to research weapons and things like that. So that's why I would knock out most people, is because when they're sleeping, you attach a balloon to them, which is called a Fulton, and they fly off, and then they're in your base. So what I I saw some people do uh, is attach C4 to, like, a Jeep, because you can also take things from the field. Like, you can take Jeeps, tanks, uh, anti-air guns, and things like that to use as resources or like used to protect your base from online invasions and stuff because uh you can there's a whole online multiplayer component that i didn't really dabble too deeply into but i saw people attach c4 to a jeep and then use the fulton on the jeep and have it go up right in front of a helicopter trigger the c4 blow up the helicopter with a fucking flying jeep and c4 and like that kind of stuff is dope like, just putting C4 on all kinds of stuff. Like, I've seen people put C4 on a Jeep, jump out of the Jeep, have it crash into a guard tower, the C4 explodes, the whole place goes up, and they don't even know Snake's there. And and just, like, stuff like that is, like, this game, oh my god, it, it's just so fun, and the control is so tight, and like I said a billion times, you can do whatever you want, you can stealth. It, it just, it, it controls very well. And there's not really, I don't really have anything bad to say about the gameplay. Like, it just, it has so many weird touches that you would not expect. Like, this this is just, I'm going to say this now, and then I'll, I'll get quickly into the story, but never before has there been a game where you can find a tape recording of a guy taking a shit, right? Loudly taking a shit. There are porta-potties all over these bases where the enemy soldiers are, um... And you can get into a porta potty, and sometimes the soldiers will come check because they like they have seen someone's there, or they got to use the bathroom, and they go into the porta potty and check. To make it so that they do not come check the porta potty, you can play 
the tape of the guy shitting while you're in the porta potty and they will not come check because they'll be like, oh, that's gross. He's shitting somebody who's in there. We can't do that. And just like that kind of attention to detail does not happen in games. And it, it's a damn shame that it takes Hideo Kojima as long as it does for him to make games. But man, the time and effort he took and his team took to make Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain it was worth it. And I wholeheartedly mean that. I mean, the game is great. It plays great. But where I do not think that it hits the mark that it properly should is in the story, which we will talk about now. I am going to give this uh, disclaimer right now. If you do not want the story of Metal Gear Solid Five to be spoiled for you, stop listening to this right now turn off the podcast because I'm going to go into all kinds of story details starting right now. Okay, so we'll start at the beginning. And by the beginning, I mean we'll start in Ground Zeroes because it was the prequel and this game picks up almost right where it left off. So in Ground Zeroes, you are rescuing two characters who were in Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, and you're like, wow, this is annoying, all these games connect together, and especially if you didn't have a PSP to play Peace Walker, you're like, I don't know who the hell these characters are, but that's neither here nor there. In Ground Zeroes, your mission is to uh, take a child soldier who you had in your care, Chico, and uh, a person named Paz, which means peace, and she is a, she is a, she is a lady soldier. And what you have to do is extract them in your helicopter. Chico's easy enough. He seems pretty scarred. Uh, it's He's horrified by the whole experience of being abducted and, like, tortured. And that's fine. So you take him pretty easily, get him on the helicopter, and say, like, hey, where the hell's Paz? And he says, oh, she's dead. And you're like, eh, that doesn't sound right. Because yeah, I, I think she's still alive. So you keep looking, and you find Paz, and she's all strung up in this weird basement, and she was tortured, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, she's passed out from all the pain because she's, like, bleeding and whatever. And you take her, uh, and you're extracted, and you go back to Mother Base, which is a base that uh, Big Boss had been building with his friend Kazuhira Miller. Uh, and it's basically, they're just like a, a PMC, a paramilitary corporation. They are mercs, basically. They're mercenaries. And they sell to the highest bidder, help people out with wars and stuff. They ship off their soldiers um, and for some reason, they had a nuke on their base, and th- at the beginning of the story, you find out that there is an inspection team coming to look at their base and see if there's any nukes, and they hide the nuke, and they, wh- whatever. So that that happens at the beginning of the game, but at the end, after you rescue the two, you are going back to your base, and you see that it is on fire. And it is because the group of people that were coming to inspect the nuke were actually a secret organization in the Metal Gear universe known as Cypher, who were going to get rid of Big Boss uh, because one of their leaders had been working with Big Boss before. It's all a big clusterfuck, and it's just super convoluted. But they are destroying Mother Base, and so Big Boss is like, yo, we gotta get down there, This, this shit's crazy. Uh, my men are all dying, and at this point, Paz wakes up and says, uh, we gotta, we gotta, like, she starts freaking out, and they, they look at her, and they see that she has a bomb in her, 
So they take the bomb out and they throw it out of the thing and they're like, oh, you're okay. So then Paz wakes up and says, yo, there's a bomb in me. And they're like, no, we took that out. Uh, But she insists and says, no, no, there's a bomb in me. Uh, And then she says, it's in my... And she jumps out of the helicopter and she explodes. And now what that implied, people think that... They don't think they know that there was a bomb in Paz's vagina, which... Why would he? Why why would you write that? I mean, that's just that's stupid. That's a stupid thing, and it's offensive in a lot of ways, and it's it's just dumb. But anyways, she jumps out. The helicopter next to them uh, blows up from the blast, and it comes and hits Big Boss, his helicopter, and then he's basically like lost to the ocean and everything that they had built over the past uh, their time in Peace Walker is destroyed. And that is where uh, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain picks up. They are... Not they. Big Boss is in a hospital bed. And uh, apparently he's been in a coma for what I believe was seven years. Sorry, it's been a bit since I played. So so he's been in a coma for uh, what I believe is seven years. And you wake up and it's basically a doctor talking to you. And he tells you what happened. And... Obviously, he says, yeah, the helicopter crashed and you suffered some severe damage. So he shows you an x-ray and about how Big Boss has like all kinds of like teeth and shrapnel embedded in his body and they can't really get it out. Um, They fixed him up as best they can, but a piece of shrapnel uh, lodged itself in his his brain. And if they removed it, he would hemorrhage and die. Uh, So he just has this big ass metal spike thing in his forehead which is kind of crazy to think about and he looks more like a badass than he did before and he's because he's got an eye patch and a a metal horn and that is insane um but so, so, so he goes he goes through all this sorry i'm just thinking about the ending of the game and how much i really did not enjoy it uh he he goes back and says, like, yeah, also, BTW, you don't have an arm anymore. And you look down and you freak out and they give him some th- sweet drugs and he goes back to sleep. Uh, th- this is all in the prologue and it, th- th- a lot of stuff happens and it happens very slowly and deliberately. Uh, and then basically the hospital gets attacked uh, because people find out that Snake is there and you have to try to escape the hospital with... Uh, someone who is in the next hospital bed over who calls himself, uh, I believe he is Ishmael and you are Ahab, which is like a whole Moby Dick thing. Or maybe it might be the other way around. Either way, it, does, it, it literally does not matter. But this guy is a badass and he helps you escape the hospital, but he doesn't seem to give a fuck about you because you haven't been walking in seven years and you just you have a rough time and that's that's my least favorite part of the whole game probably is you have to like crawl around forever even after you get a shot of adrenaline like you're just crawling and it's so slow and everyone's dying around you and everyone's being murdered because they want to kill everyone in this hospital who had an association with big boss and blah 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 
and it's just very weird and you uh, supernatural people come there's this person who seems like a young psychomantis who is like a psychic bad guy from the original metal gear solid there is a giant flaming man called the burning man i believe his name was and just all this kind of craziness and snake gets out even though there's like psychomantis is like throwing around a tank with his telekinesis and just everything's blowing up the man on fire is like killing everyone it it's it's batshit crazy like if you haven't seen it like definitely look up the prologue to metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain because it is out of this world man and it's really disturbing like you see hospital patients getting gunned down and just it's bedlam and madness and it's so fucked up all at the same time it's it's really weird, and it, it has, in my opinion, a very different tone than the entire rest of the game. So, you escape, uh, and you're driving this ambulance away, and something blows up, and you pass out in the ambulance, and Ocelot, who is a major Metal Gear character, comes and saves you uh, on horseback, because why the fuck not? And the man on fire is also riding a burning horse and he chases you through the forest and you have to use a shotgun ocelot gives you to shoot him off and all all this kind of stuff. And it's just very, it's crazy. And it's really cool. It's a good way to introduce you to the game. Uh, And then everything is all said and done and you escape the man on fire and ocelot's basically like, yo dude, uh, I was sent here by Kazuhira Mille. Miller, uh, not Milla, your homeboy who you ran mother base with previously, uh, he lived, uh, but he is a prisoner in Afghanistan and he would like you, he wants me to bring you to him so that, uh, you guys can basically start mother base again and get revenge on Cypher and what, for what they did to you and rebuild the empire full of soldiers that you had, and you can have a new mother base. And so Snake's just like, sure, I guess. I mean, I've been in a coma for seven years, but like, whatever, man, I'm down. And so you go, you do that, you rescue Miller. He's very angsty about what happened, and he wants you to rebuild and all this kind of stuff, and you you do. Uh, You rebuild mother base, you capture your soldiers... It very much like kind of what you did in Peace Walker all over again, and this this is where it gets weird, is because like the f- game is very front loaded and back loaded with story. There's not a whole lot in the middle, and it's weird because what Metal Gear Solid is known for is its cinematics. Like people would used to complain that I want to play a video game, I don't want to watch it, and I was I was always a fan of Metal Gear Solid cinematics. Like I'm watching a 30 minute cinematic. It's pretty cool. Everything's crazy, and they took a lot of that stuff and put it into like audio logs. So, like you can listen to characters having a conversation, but you don't see any of that happening. There's no weird craziness happening. It's just people talking, and that's kind of lame. And the cool cinematics that Metal Gear Solid are known for are very few and far between. So, like when I say like once you basically like build Mother Base, uh, there are not very many cinematics left uh, after that point, and it's just it's odd. And the characters are kind of fantastical, like there are, like obviously there's the Burning Man, there's Psycho Mantis, their leader Skullface is literally just a dude whose head is a human skull and he looks really creepy, and 
yeah, that that kind of stuff is weird, but it's it's a lot less fantastical. It's more just like, oh shit, we're PMCs, we're a lot of people are doing some pretty bad shit. We got to stop them. Uh, but the whole goal is to get to Skullface. And spoilers, in the end, they do kill Skullface. Uh, and what is crazy is, I there's just there's so much I want to say, but so little I want to say at the same time. The whole game is like an allegory for phantom limbs. Uh, Miller lost one of his legs. Uh, Big Boss lost one of his arms, and they say there's like a phantom pain, like they can still feel what used to be there, but they can also the same thing with Mother Base, like they can feel what used to be there. Uh, and those feelings that they had and all this kind of stuff. And so what they do is, in the end, when they do capture Skullface, the big, huge enemy, they basically, you as Big Boss, the player, you have to pull the trigger, you shoot off his arms and his legs, and you leave him there. And that is a very powerful moment, because basically Miller says, like, we want you to feel the same pain that we felt. And that's a really cool scene even though once again it's super fucked up um and then as as they're walking away one of the other characters in the game Huey Emmerich comes up and shoots Skullface in the head to actually kill him um which is obviously not what Miller and Big Boss were intending that's why they wanted to blow off his limbs and do all that stuff they're gonna let him live feel the pain uh, because Emmerich feels that what they are doing is wrong. They, he says that the the whole thing with the nuclear incident was their fault. Uh, Big Boss doesn't really care about any of them, and blah blah blah. And so that's that happens, and then the game is over, theoretically, right? But then there is a whole thing that happens after the game is over about the fall of Mother Base and all this kind of stuff. But before I talk about that, I gotta go back a bit. Skullface's whole evil plan is he had a virus that he had made by this Navajo Indian who for some reason is named Code Talker. He's blind and can, like, commune with these fucking spirit things that are basically nanomachines that, I don't know, magic. You know, because magic. Um... So there is this disease that they don't really name. It's they just call it a vocal cord parasite. So what happens is these voc- these parasites uh, get inside your body and they attach themselves to your vocal cords, and you basically become a weird controllable zombie type thing almost uh, when a certain language is spoken. Uh, it activates the parasites and the symptoms uh, get worse and worse. And uh, you're basically just like a weird walking zombie corpse. And in the beginning, they're like, okay, this is weird. We don't really understand how this works. But when they figure out how it works, it starts infecting Mother Base. And the, you, it's different in the game, in everybody's game. Um, it will be one of the few languages. Like some people speak Russian. Some speak, people speak Afrikaans. Some people speak Chinese. And it'll latch onto one of those. And all those people with that language will have it and start spreading it to other people. So you fig- you have to go through the game and like basically do a set of missions to figure out what the deal is. And most of the people who speak that language die. Um, but you find out that Skullface's whole plan is he wants to release the English strain. 
uh, because back in his past, people who spoke English, like, killed everyone in his village or something, and he wants revenge. He basically wants to, like, reset the world because everyone speaks English. So, this goes back to the sniper character who I spoke briefly about earlier. Her name is Quiet. Hideo Kojima has been on record and said many really dumb things about her appearance, which I don't know if you've seen, but I'll describe it. It's basically a girl who looks Native American, because she is. She's a Navajo Indian, which you don't find out until much later. Um, She's basically just wearing a bikini and, like, kind of weird, like, ripped leggings and, like, really short shorts. And he made some statements about people like commenting on that like saying this is just a gratuitous character design this is like it's really exploitative and it's not good there's no reason for this and he said when you people see what her deal is you'll feel ashamed of your words and deeds and now that's become a meme people always say you'll be ashamed of your words and deeds all the time now which is kind of funny and kind of annoying at the same time but this is what i think is literally the worst part of the story i think that quiet is both the worst and best part of the story, and I'll explain why now. So, the reason that she doesn't wear clothes is because in the beginning of the game, she is one of the people who comes to assassinate Snake, but she gets caught on fire by the man-on-fire guy. The, The fire guy catches her on fire, go fucking figure. Or no, 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 I'm sorry, that was not that. She gets... Uh, the guy that's with you in the beginning, Ahab, he, like, throws oil on her, and she gets lit on fire and falls out a window. But e- either way, uh, they say that she can't talk anymore because her body was so badly damaged and burned. And she, like, gets... Somehow she got some supernatural ability uh, so she can, like, run and teleport super quick and is really good at sniping. But her whole thing is she can't wear clothes because... She breathes through her skin. And, like, I, what I'm about to say, I literally, I, I cannot make this shit up. You fight this character as a boss, and you either get to choose to kill her or not. And obviously, since I knew that you could recruit her and use her as a sniper buddy, I did not kill her. It'd be super fucked up if you did. And a lot of the game's story actually depends on her being alive so killing her seems like the dumbest thing in the world but you let her live much to Miller's chagrin because he does not want her to live he thinks she'd be dead because she's evil and blah 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 blah, and she's a freak so you let her live as big boss and you put her in a prison cell basically until she's ready to go on missions and Ocelot calls you back at one point and says like hey we figured out what her deal is so she breathes through her skin Uh, and she drinks water through her skin also. So if she was wearing a lot of clothes, she would, uh, she would suffocate. And now, when I found that out, I was not ashamed of my words and deeds. I was ashamed of Hideo Kojima and his, this is shitty character design. He should have just gave her clothes. I don't fucking get it. It makes no sense. That is just, it's a bad reason. Anything, anything. The rest of her plot could have stayed the same. The good part of her story could have been exactly the same. She could have just wearing full clothes. And like, you know what? I'm not really offended by her character design. I just think like, you know what, dude? Don't try to play it off like 
you got some deep meaning. She's, she's like a fucking plant lady. She breathes through her goddamn skin. It's so stupid, and there's no reason for it. I It makes me so angry, especially because she is the best part of the story. So, it, later on in the game, uh, you find out that basically a bunch of people have been infected with... Uh, I can't remember, I think it's some strain of the disease, right? And so Big Boss goes into the quarantine zone, uh, finds out that it's English that they've been infected with, and he's like, holy shit, we can't let this get out or it'll infect the entire world. So he, uh, he kills everyone in there and gets out without speaking, right? And so... They find out after that, shortly after that, that Quiet has the disease, but and and Miller wants to kill her again, obviously, because he already wanted to kill her. Uh, but they say no, um, because she doesn't speak. She she can't speak. Her voice box doesn't work. Uh, they think she can't speak, but it turns out that she doesn't want to speak. So at that point, you, uh see a scene where they torture quiet um trying to get her to talk and she does she does not talk uh they all leave the room at the end except for code talker who is also a navajo indian and this is where you find out that quiet is a navajo indian because he says to her in navajo hey like what's going on and she speaks back to him in navajo and says that she is infected with the English strain, but she will not speak English. She will never speak English. And so the whole reason why she let herself be captured by them is because initially she wanted revenge against Big Boss for what happened to her, her body being burned and all that kind of stuff. But eventually, it seems to me at least that she fell in love with him and could no longer go through with it. So... Once she finds out that the base was infected with the English strain, she leaves because she is afraid that she will infect the rest of them with the with the strain, and she does not want that to occur. So she leaves, uh, and they just think that she's escaped, and they send Big Boss after her, right? So you go through this whole crazy mission where you're defending Quiet against uh, wave after wave of tank, and it's crazy, and they basically he, he saves her um but a sandstorm comes and they're basically trying to run away from all these guys that keep following after them otherwise they're going to be killed and they they take a rest in this little alcove and a snake comes out and it bites big boss and it is a very poisonous snake uh, but somehow he, he Big Boss does this crazy thing where he grabs the snake after it bites him and shakes it once and it dies. Which like how badass are you to shake a fucking snake to death? And it was it was really cool. Uh, but he passes out from the venom, uh, and they hear the helicopter guy coming over the walkie, and she can quiet is the only she's she's the only one awake at this point, and she can hear 
uh, the helicopter pilot over the walkie and the soldiers coming and basically has to speak uh, to save Big Boss. She starts, at first she's speaking in Navajo and the helicopter pilot says like, hey, hey I, I can't understand who this is. Like, I need you to describe to me like where you are. I, I need uh I need to get Big Boss and all this stuff. I need to pick you up. And he doesn't know that it's Quiet who's speaking and says like yeah, obviously yeah I can't understand you. So she realizes that Big Boss will die if she does not speak. And she speaks which is what you do not want to have happen with that vocal cord parasite, but she does it just to save Big Boss. Um, and then she leaves uh, because she she guides the helicopter to him and you hear her speak in English and it's like crazy because she didn't speak the whole goddamn game and then it just happens at the end and it's a really powerful moment because she like struggles with it for so long because she doesn't want the world to be infected by this parasite. Uh, but... I do, she, she, so she leaves, and you find all these weird notes that I, I can't really talk about because it's not going to be as emotionally impacting coming from me, but she left this note for Big Boss, uh, which you don't necessarily have to see. Like, as you wake up with Big Boss, the helicopter's there, and he notices quiet's gone. You can just get on the helicopter, but you can follow her footsteps uh, until you find this, like, basically note that was left, and she says everything that happened, and it's just... It's really cool, and I realize that I'm bad at explaining the story and it, whatever, but you should look up the final mission with Quiet. It's it's really, it hit me really hard, and I thought that, like, wow, this part with Quiet, despite her character design and all that stuff, was much better than anything else that happened in this game, because to be quite honest with you, I was not personally invested in the story of this game at all. Not one goddamn bit especially after the plot twist. So, like, Kojima's big thing is he is big on plot twists. Like, in Metal Gear Solid 2, you play as Snake in the prologue, and then later you play as Raiden as a big switcheroo and a big fuck you. And just, like, all that kind of stuff. He's big on plot twists. And I I and everyone else knew this game was going to have a big plot twist, but when the plot twist was revealed to me, I just... I couldn't buy it, and I just couldn't care. So, in the original scene of the game, you have to create... It basically asks you to create your character, what you look like. And you're like, well, that's weird, because... Listen, this is... I'm Big Boss, like, why would I look differently? And then you write your name. And you find out at the end of the game, after you you do all the missions... Everything you can possibly do. That the entire time you were not playing as Big Boss. Which, if I had thought about it in the beginning of the game, I would have realized was happening. But I did not. So, it was really annoying. So, you, it made, the whole game makes you replay... Once you do this, you replay the prologue, which takes so fucking long, and there's only, like, two parts of it that are different, so I don't know why they couldn't have just let you see the parts that were different, but you create your character, uh, whatever, and you go through the whole process again, and you get to the very scene where your guy passes out with Ahab in the, uh, in the car, 
Uh, but the scene keeps going even when you pass out uh, because Ahab gets out of the, the car and lo and behold, he is Big Boss, the real Big Boss, because you were the other guy that w- you were the random soldier that was in the helicopter in Ground Zeroes, which I'm going to be real honest with you here. I did not remember that soldier being in Ground Zeroes, but whatever. So you created the soldier uh, that you created the soldier that uh, was to become the new big boss, basically. And it's just, it's not, I I don't know, like, it's not, it's not a good plot twist because, like, you aren't someone who matters. You're a random soldier, and I guess maybe that was supposed to be the point, is that, like, anyone could theoretically become the big boss, but, like, it explains a lot because like obviously at the end of Metal Gear Solid 4 when you see Big Boss he's like older and he has his arms so you're like well who's why does he get his arm back he didn't you just weren't playing as Big Boss the whole time and there's a whole thing where like Ocelot works for the real Big Boss and Miller feels like he was betrayed by Big Boss for leaving so he votes for the new big boss, but the new big boss dies or whatever. It's it just, at some point, it, it's just dumb. I I mean, it's not like bad or anything. It's just not, it's not good. It's not a good plot twist. Like, I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of people say that they feel differently than I do, but like, I can't, I, I cannot give a fuck because it was, it, it's just so meaningless. And, like, I playing through a whole, like, hour and a half long prologue just to get that little tidbit was just, like, I can't care anymore. And I'm just, I'm so glad that the plot of Metal Gear is done, theoretically, because Konami sure as fuck seems to be done making games altogether, and that's... Which I'm, I'm a little glad about, because... There, just, there shouldn't be any more Metal Gear. There shouldn't have been a fifth one to begin with, even though... As much as I really did not enjoy the story and don't think it really added a whole lot and it was super unnecessary, I, you know, the gameplay is amazing. Like, the game plays well, so this isn't one of those things where I'm just, like, gonna talk a whole bunch of shit about it, because in the beginning I was glowing. I, I honestly liked the game a lot. I played it for over 100 hours. I did every goddamn side mission, because doing missions in that world was fun to do. There's a whole bunch of parts of the story I didn't talk about, like how the Burning Man was really uh, General Vulgan, who like stayed alive through burning anger from Metal Gear Solid 3. I didn't talk about Liquid and the fucking Sahelanthropus, the weird super Metal Gear that couldn't have existed in that time because it was more high-tech than all the rest of the other Metal Gears. But the, the two important parts to me were really the big boss switcheroo and quiet and i will i will not forget those two things anytime soon the big boss thing because it just made me angry that i waited that long for such a shitty payoff and the quiet thing because it was just really well done and it made me think about like how much more meaningful the story could have been if if it was just allowed to be 
what it could have been. I, I don't know. Like, if it could have just been a whole bunch of cinematics. and it, I, I don't know. Like, a lot of things in Metal Gear, they try to be really self-serious, and then they fall flat. But the Quiet Thing was really good. And that's all I got to say, man. Metal Gear was a great game. You should play The Phantom Pain, or at least check out the scenes I was talking about, because... Hideo Kojima, whether people want to admit it or not, is a visionary, and that studio put out a brilliantly playing game that sadly is now being ruined with all kinds of patches and shitty microtransactions by Konami, but like, the core game is is great as i said it could be one of the best action games of all time like it plays really well and like i know in this episode i ran i rambled a lot about everything i wasn't very coherent with the story i just was (laughs) having a brain explosion about the gameplay which is also really good but also to be fair you may hear it a couple times i had to cut like between seven to ten times during the recording of this because my dog would lose her shit when trick-or-treaters would come up to the door. So, sorry about that in advance. But that is all for this time. I will be back next month with a brand new podcast, which for sure will be on Yokai Watch. Listen, there's my dog barking again. There's probably some trick-or-treaters coming up, so I better end this quickly. But next next month's will be on Yokai Watch, so mentally prep yourself for the... The Japanese ghost sensation. It's coming to America, so get prepped. Uh, But thank you for listening, as always, if you made it this far. I super, super appreciate it, and I can't wait to start recording these once a month. I'm very excited to do the podcast. Uh, Quick correction, though. Last week, or last month, uh, I said that the song, the theme song of the podcast was Helix Nebula by Anamanaguchi, but that is not true. While Helix Nebula is a dope Anamanaguchi song, the theme song of this podcast is Sting Operation. Ah, don't know how I could get that wrong, but seriously, Anamanaguchi, great band, check it out. Sting Operation is our theme song. Helix Nebula, it isn't, but I, I do like it a lot. So thank you for tuning in. I will see you next month. Peace out. Oh my god, my dog barks too often. See you later.